You know, some of us try to take things out of the word that we don't agree with or that we don't understand or that we don't think are for today or that we don't think are part of our culture anymore. But you cannot separate the Jesus of the Bible, who is the Bible of the Jesus and the word of the son and the son is the word and the word is the page and the page is the man. You can't take a single page out of the book that is the man. You cannot take away Jesus from the book or a single thing in the book away from Jesus. Hey, I want to encourage you this morning as we get into the word. Everyone say momentum. Come on, man. Let me hear you say momentum. Momentum is created by what? Moments. Think about the word momentum. The first part of the word, the root of the word is moments. And I'm going to declare over you and your household and your families and your businesses that starting this morning, there will be momentum. There will be a moment that happens in God's presence this morning as we get into his word. And a moment today will spur on a moment tomorrow in his word. And a moment on Tuesday, and a moment on Wednesday, and a moment on Thursday, and a moment each week for the rest of this year that will create momentum for 2024 that will be far greater than any resolution you could ever make on January 1st. Because we all know on January 1st, you're going to make a resolution, and on January 18th, according to statistics, you're all going to stop it. You're going to create some resolution about working out and you're going to sign up for some club membership that's impossible to cancel and you're going to go for 18 days straight and then you're going to stop going. So those things don't work. But you know what works is moments every single day with the Lord. And I'm just going to declare over you one more time. You're going to create some momentum starting this morning that will create a revolution in 2024 in your home, a revolution in your business, a revolution in your family, a revolution in your relationships, a revolution in your finances that will be far greater than any resolution you could ever make. Amen? That was for free. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word. We declare your word is what we need to create momentum. Your word is what we need as a roadmap. Your word, God, let us fall in love with your word. Let us hear your word this morning, not the words of a man. Let us hear your word in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. Title of today is a book named Jesus. I heard the Holy Spirit so clear as I was studying and praying and thinking about you guys. A book named Jesus. A book named Jesus. This is something that I want to allow to come to life in your everyday life a love for the scriptures again. A love for the scripture maybe for the first time. A love not just falling in love with a name but falling in love with a book. Let me let me explain. Let me unpack this. John John 1. John 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing is made. 
And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jump to verse 14. The word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is a book named Jesus. There is a man who is a book. There is a book that cannot be separated from a man. There is a book that we need to hold on to, that we need to open again, that we need to blow the dust off of the shelves, that you need to put your phone with all of its distractions down and find the book that John 1 declares a book grew arms and legs and got a mouth and started walking around preaching and teaching and healing people. You see, you can't separate this book from Jesus. You can't. You can't say I love Jesus and not say you don't love this book. You can't say I love Jesus and I want to be like him, but I don't know about that book. It doesn't make sense to me. You can't separate the book from the man because the man is the book. Because in the beginning was the word. And in all translations, what's being talked about here is the book. The book, the Torah, the prophets, and then what would unfold following the Gospels. You cannot separate the man from the book. Jesus equals the word. If you're taking notes, just, it's just simple. Jesus equals the word. The word equals the Bible. The Bible equals Jesus. It's one and the same. You can't separate it. It's like trying to take out key ingredients from a chocolate cake. You know, one of my favorite chocolate cakes, y'all are blessed and highly favored from the Lord because there's this place called Portillo's. Portillo's is an incredible Chicago intricacy. If you have not had it, I'm not being paid or sponsored by them. I just love the place. So there is a chocolate cake that you can get at Portillo's. Now, I encourage you not to get the chocolate cake shake because, unfortunately, it's exactly what it sounds like. They stick the chocolate cake in a blender. You ever have a shake that you're like... And nothing comes up. Their chocolate shake cake is not very good. It's exactly, it is their shake. It is their cake in a shake, in a cup. But their chocolate cake, anyone ready for lunch today? Their chocolate cake has some ingredients in it that make it so good. I might ruin it for you, but the key ingredient I found, well, it's love, but it's mayonnaise. There is about half a jar of mayonnaise inside of this chocolate cake. Now, no, 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 don't. Hey, listen, 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 listen. You got to try this chocolate cake because it is one of those chocolate cakes. I mean, I am, I, we're in church. I can't describe what this chocolate cake does to my soul. This chocolate cake. I mean, it's, you ever take a bite of something and your eyes roll back in your head? That's, a, that's as far as I'll go. I mean, this is a, this is, this is a cake from heaven. Now, their Chicago dogs are great. Their hamburgers are great. Their, their food is great. But their chocolate cake, 
But you cannot separate the disgusting ingredient of the mayonnaise and have the same result of the chocolate cake. You know, some of us try to take things out of the word that we don't agree with or that we don't understand or that we don't think are for today or that we don't think are part of our culture anymore. But you cannot separate the Jesus of the Bible, who is the Bible of the Jesus and the word of the son and the son is the word and the word is the page and the page is the man. You can't take a single page out of the book that is the man. You can't. Did I just I mean, that just kind of came to me. I just compared Jesus to mayonnaise. (laughs) Whatever. You get the point. There is no arguing this theology, by the way. You you cannot win. I mean, you can argue it, but you won't win the argument because it is a fact. Set in stone like gravity. You cannot separate Jesus from the book. This is why Jesus is so intertwined throughout the whole Old and New Testament. Put this photo up. It is, Jesus is so intertwined. The connections are impossible to take away. This, this photo, actually, I sent this to Candy yesterday, and she said, oh, wow, that's really pretty. What is it? Is it sound waves? I waited a couple seconds, and I said back, no, what you're looking at is a picture that if that a theologian put together, a graphic artist theologian, and it is every single connection point from the Old Testament to the New and the New Testament back to the Old. Every single connection in the Word of God, and those connections are prophecies about Jesus, and Jesus intertwined from the Old to the New. And there's over 10,000 connections that you're seeing in this photo of Jesus being the man and the man being the book and the book being the Jesus. You cannot take away Jesus from the book or a single thing in the book away from Jesus. The Old Testament points to and prophesies of Jesus over and over and over. Types and shadows and pictures of who this man would be that would save the world. The New Testament reveals and points back to the Old Testament pictures of Jesus, and they go back and forth. The Old Testament points to and prophesies. You cannot remove Jesus from the Bible, and you cannot remove the Bible from your relationship with Jesus. Trying to build a case here for you. You cannot remove Jesus from the Bible, and you cannot remove the Bible from Jesus. Therefore, you cannot remove the Bible from your relationship with Jesus. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus and not have a relationship with this book. I'll tell you one thing I am most grateful for. As I sat down a few weeks ago, and I would encourage you to do this not just on the week of Thanksgiving, but every week, every month, sit down and write a gratitude list. And on my gratitude list, I wrote my father's name. And it wasn't because he was just some great father, and he was a great father but it's because he introduced me to the book that was a man and the man that was a book. And he taught me how to study this word and fall in love with these words and fall in love with the Jesus who spoke the words. I love this book. And as I prayed for you, the Holy Spirit spurred me on to say, look, I'm coming soon. They've got to know me. They've got to know me. And I said, yes, Jesus, your people have to know you. And he said, no, 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 no. They got to know my book. They got to know my book. Matthew 7, 21. 
The Lord took me to a scary and confusing and honestly hard to understand scripture. But if you see it through the lens of the picture I showed you earlier of all the interconnections of Jesus throughout the Old Testament and the New, then you read Jesus' words, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall I enter the kingdom of heaven? That's what Jesus is saying here. You, you got to confess with your mouth, believe with your heart. Not everyone who confesses, not everyone who believes, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Many will say to me in that day, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. Oh, we sang in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We've done these great works in your name. And then I will declare to them, this is Jesus. You can take this out of the book if you want, but you might be the one standing there while he says it if you do. Jesus says, I will declare to that person, depart from me. He doesn't say, depart from me, I don't love you. He doesn't say, depart from me, I'm disappointed in you. He doesn't say, depart from me, you sinner. He doesn't say, depart from me, you who cannot overcome your issues. He says, depart from me, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. And I don't know who you are because you don't know who I am. And you don't know who I am because you don't know what I say. Your relationship with Jesus is intertwined as much as that picture I showed you, as, as much as Jesus is intertwined in the Old and New Testament, your relationship with Jesus is intertwined with this book. Do you know what it says? It says in Hebrews chapter 4 that, oh, to put this up there. Hebrews chapter 4, it says that it is alive. For the word of God is living and it is powerful. It is living and it is powerful. And it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. He's not just saying the book is living and powerful. He's, this is, Jesus is living. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of your soul. Jesus is piercing between the soul and the spirit. Jesus is joining the bones and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Because you can't remove the man from the book or the book from the man. Sharper than any two-edged sword. You've heard me say this before. If you've heard me preach before, I can't not say this. I love this thought that's sharper than any two-edged sword. That word, double-edged sword, translates twice spoken. It's spoken once by God in his word, and the power comes of the double-edged sword when it's spoken again by you. You see, God's word comes alive and becomes active and splits between the spirit and the soul when you begin to know what his word says and you begin to speak what his word says. You see, the power in the songs we sang today, I'll tell you what, man, the, the, the word came on the screen and it says, sound mine, and everyone's like, ooh, I like this song. Everyone cheered. We haven't even sang yet. I looked up, I'm like, yeah, I like this song too, man. Everyone's excited. People like this song. And then I'm looking at the words of the song. All we're doing is singing scripture. You know why that song or why some songs hit you different? It's because some songs are just repeating what God already said. And so those songs split between the soul. 
They split into your spirit. They come alive and you start to jump. They come alive and you start to clap. You start to shout. You start to sing maybe a little louder because it's the word now you're singing. Spoken once by God and then twice by you. It becomes powerful. Depart, I never knew you, Jesus said. You can't know Jesus and not know his word. You get to know Jesus through his word. I'm trying to build a case here for you as you read this. Matthew 7, 24, that you cannot know Jesus without knowing his word. Jesus wants to know you. Do you want to know him? I'm trying to build a case here for you. And guess what? You can probably guess the real practical points I'm going to give you here in a minute. Read your Bible. There's a spoiler alert. Tell you what I'm about to tell you so you remember what I tell you. It's time we read the Bible again. It's time that Christians start following Christ. It's time that Christians start reading the Word. I'm not impressed with anyone in a crowd who says, wow, when I read his Word. Because all that does is show me that you don't know what I am reading. I really like... And people like, and I encourage, say amen, because amen means agreement. I really like when I'm finishing the word, when I'm reading the word and someone in the crowd finishes my sentence. Now, maybe you're cheating because it's on the screen behind me. But I've never really been impressed when someone's, oh my gosh, that's so good. Have you never read it? It says everything I'm saying already. Now, hey, you can hear the word a thousand times and it hit a little different because it's alive and there's revelation and I'm not discouraging your wow, but if you're saying wow because you never heard it, I'd try to encourage you to read it. Do you know Jesus? Just write that down in your notes, just practically. Do I know Jesus? Do you know the word would be the next question to ask yourself. Because how you answer those two questions must be the same. And I don't want anyone to feel guilt if you answer the first question, yes, I know Jesus, but no, I don't really know his word. The goal of today is to encourage you and to inspire you to create some momentum in your life to daily get in his word. Read Psalms chapter 1 on you know, December 1st, and read Psalm chapter 2 on December 2nd, and read Psalm chapter 3 on December 3rd, and read Psalm chapter 4 on December 4th, and just start somewhere. Start to learn his word. Start to gain an appetite for his word. Because as you do, his word comes alive, and it begins to change you. You'll be having a problem with your kids. Anyone have kids in here? Then you have problems with your kids, because it kind of like comes comes with it. Part of it. You'll be having problems with your kids, and then you'll open the Bible, and you'll read, and you'll be like, oh, there's the answer. I know what to do. You know, I love it when I have a problem with my kid on, you know, on, you know November 18th, because then I'm reading Proverbs 18, and the Bible says to beat him. I'm like, yes, Lord, I hear you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I hear you, Lord. I'm going to get that rod. It also tells us to love them and encourage them. The whole roadmap. How do you know that you know Jesus? You keep his commands. How do you know that you know him? You keep his commands. How do you know that you know Jesus? 
to keep his word. Now, that's not just my opinion. Read the Bible. 1 John 1, 3 through 5. Now, by this we know. I'm not going to give you any answer to any question I asked today without looking at his word. By this we know. By this we know. Pull it up. 1 John 1, 3 through 5. By this we know. If we keep his commands. If we keep his commands. If we keep his commands then I know that I know him. And he, does, and he who does not keep his commands is a liar. Sheesh. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. How do we know? Keep his word. How do we know? Keep his commands. How do you keep commands that you don't know? That's the encouragement to get in his word. Now, sometimes this is where people go, well, how do we know that we know it? Well, because because I'm so loving. That's how, that's, how, that's how I know that I love God, because I love people. And if I love people, then that means I love God. And then that's where the world starts to create some strange theologies and starts to shout and riot, love is love. It's cute, but it's not, you won't find that in the Bible. You want to cast a stone at me for saying it? Find love is love in the Bible and then come talk to me. You won't find that. You know what you will find? God is love. And love is God. So you cannot take God away from love and love away from God, and you can't change the definition of love either because there is a definition of God's word of what love is, and God's word defines that love is telling the truth. God's word defines that love is his scripture and everything that his word says. You see, what happens is sometimes we confuse a few things that God says throughout his word and we kind of move things around. And so Jesus does say, he does say something about love proving something. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, how will the world know that you are my disciples? He says your love for one another, your kindness, your gentleness, your love for one another. But loving other people does not prove your love for God. And that's why if we tie it all the way back to Matthew 7, but I cast out demons in your name, Jesus, but I prophesied in your name, but I preached in your name. I loved people. Depart from me. I don't even know you. You don't even know me. Now that's heavy, but that's good. That's heavy, but that should encourage us. Our love for others is proof of our love for God to them. But our love for God's word is proof of our love to God. God, I love you. I want to spend time with you. God, I love you. I want to read your word. I want to know you more. I want to know what you say. Why do we read God's word? Because we want to know him. Because we want to know what he says. Why must I begin reading the word of God? I'll give you 10 reasons. Why I must begin reading the word of God. Why do I want to read the word? Why do I want to read the word? Here's some momentum, 10 quick reasons. We must read the word because number one, Jesus is the word. We just went over that in depth. So everything above is your notes. Number two, the word is our user manual of life. The word is our user manual of life. Jesus is the user manual, and the user manual is Jesus, and the Bible is the user manual. 
You know, once I, uh, I ordered a juicer. Um, you know what a juicer is? You put fruit in, and it makes juice. And I ordered this juicer because I was up late watching Netflix one night, and I watched this, this show about forks over knives and how everyone's trying to kill us. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I go vegan for like six months. Terrible season of my life. I'm just going to tell you, it was not of the Lord. And then I got a relationship with Jesus where he revealed in his word where he said, Peter, rise up and kill and eat. And I was like, yes, Lord, I'm delivered from the spirit. Not trying to, not trying to offend anyone who's vegan. It just was not for me. So I get all scared of meat and I'm like, ah, I order a juicer that night. So I order a juicer. And I get so excited, it comes like two days later, and I'm like, I haven't eaten, because I'm scared to eat. So it comes two days later, I got all this fruit, and I'm ready to juice. And the first thing I think about is, like, I like bananas. And at one point, I had like a banana pineapple kind of juice thing, and I thought it was really good. And, And so I take the banana, and I put it in the juicer, and nothing happens. And I'm like, this thing is broken. It's a scam, $699, what a scam. And so then I start to like read through the user manual. Do you notice something wrong there? You notice what I did there? You can laugh at me all you want. All y'all are guilty of doing it every day of your life. You can laugh at me for using a juicer before reading the user manual, but I'm laughing at you because you're walking out life and not reading the user manual. Read the user manual. Because some of y'all look as dumb as me trying to make banana juice with your life. Number three, why you must read the word. The word is the roadmap. It's your you are here star. You go to the mall and you get lost. I don't know if, I mean, I don't even go to malls anymore. But you remember back in the day before Jeff Bezos and Amazon? <laughs> when you go to the mall or you go to Six Flags or you go to Disneyland and you don't know where the heck you are. You're at the airport and you're lost. And how do you find where you're at? You find that little star. You are here. Sometimes it's an arrow, sometimes it's a star, sometimes it's a little man guy. You're here. The word of God illuminates Here's where you're at. And once you find where you're at, you know, here's where to go. God's word is the roadmap. Number four, God's word is the light. Psalms 119, God's word is the light. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is the light, and we live in a dark world. Why would you try to go outside without your flashlight? Why would you try to go to work without your flashlight? God's word illuminates the dark things in your life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of the life. Why? Because you got the flashlight in your hand. You got the word in your hand. You come across darkness And you go, wait, 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 I read that one time. I know what to do here. You can't, you can, you can walk into the darkness, into your job or into this world or into any crazy situation that you face in life, but you're not in the dark when you're not alone. 
Because he is the light. Why you must be getting reading the word and creating momentum. The word is God's voice. Number five, the word is God's voice. It is God's word. God's words written by the hand of man, inspired by the spirit of God. If you want to learn what God sounds like, you first must learn what he says. I cannot say this enough. I've been asked too many times. I don't understand, Brandon. You mean you can hear God? I've been criticized by people. What do you mean you can hear God? Now, let me be clear. I'd love to see a burning bush. I've never seen one. I mean, I set plenty of things on fire in my life. But a, a tree has never started on holy fire and grew, grew a mouth and started talking to me. But I read his word. And then by reading his word, I learn his voice. And then not only do I learn his voice, but I learn what his voice doesn't say. So then when I hear those words, hearing God's voice is a like. A lot like when you hear the enemy. How many of you in here could say, hey, I, I can hear the enemy. I know when the enemy's talking. So a lot of Christians know when the enemy's talking, but a lot of Christians don't know when God's talking. Why? Because you know what the enemy sounds like, but you don't know what God sounds like. So you know when the enemy's talking, hey, I'm, hey you're a disappointment. You're, you're, you're a nothing good nobody. Hey, you're ugly. <laughs> like, you know, man, you should kill yourself. You know when it's the devil. You know when it's a demonic spirit. Hey, you should leave your spouse because, you know, there's probably someone better out there for you. They don't believe in you. Like, you know, like you, you sit down, and you know, man, that's the devil. I, devil, I rebuke you. But too many believers don't know when it's the voice of God speaking. They don't know it's the voice of God speaking because they don't know what his voice sounds like. If you want to learn God's voice, just read his word. It's that simple. God's voice will never say, I'm disappointed in you. God's voice will say, I believe in you. God's voice will never say, I'm mad at you. God's voice will say, man, I'm madly in love with you. God's voice will never say, I'm leaving you behind and I'm sick of you. God's voice, if we read his word, we remember the scripture. When we hear, I'm leaving you, I'm sick of you, that's the devil because God's word says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'll be by your side. I'll surround you. I'll go before you. I'll go behind you. I know what God's word sounds like. So I know when the enemy's talking and I rebuke it. God's voice doesn't say you'll never amount to anything, you little piece of. God's voice says I have plans for you and thoughts for you that are good and not of evil. I knew you in your mother's womb, says the Lord. So when you hear the voice of the enemy, you compare it to the voice of God. But you can only compare it to the voice of God if you know what this book says. Because the book is Jesus and Jesus is the book. Why you must begin reading the word of God. Number six, the word is God's weapon. Jesus spoke the word at the enemy. Jesus spoke the word at the enemy. Now, men, we talked about the full armor of God yesterday, and in Ephesians chapter 6, there's five pieces of armor that are for defense, and then there's one piece of armor that is for offense, and the piece of armor that was for offense was called what? The sword of the Spirit, which he then says is the word of God. So when Jesus went to war, he threw words at the devil. It is written, get thee behind me. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, get thee behind me, Satan. Man shall not test the Lord his God. Whoo! I'm exciting myself, but only because the word of God just excites me. I love the word. 
I don't know if you can tell, but I love the word and I pray, I pray that this morning you would catch a love for his word because every problem you're facing is because you don't read it. Every problem you're facing is because he's talking and you don't know it. Every problem you're facing is because you're not spending time with him and he wants to spend time with you. And spending time with God has been complicated by religion for too long. Spending time with God is simple. It's so easy. You just get in his word. You just talk to him. You just listen. You just invite him into any space you're at. I invite him into my Harley rides and I say, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. Why you must begin reading the word. Number seven, read the word. Read the word because you want to, not because you have to. Read the word because you want to, not because you have to. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Not because you have to obey his commands. Notice the way Jesus said this. He said, man, you love me, keep my words. It's not just about obeying what you're told to do like a child obeying a, 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 a principle. It's about falling in love with the words. And man, I'm going to align my life with the scripture and I'm going to keep his commands. If you love me, obey my words, obedience. Number eight, the word will purify you. Psalms 119.9, how can a young man cleanse his way or keep his way pure only by heeding to the word of God, only by holding tight to the word of God. One of the words that intertwines back in the scripture is this word, word of God, intertwines back to God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. How can a young man, how can a man or a woman, how can a believer, how can a follower make his way pure only by heeding to the book that's the man and the man that's the book. Number nine, why must I begin reading the word more often? Why must I begin encountering the Lord through his word? Number nine, reading the word keeps you focused on the main thing. Reading the word keeps you focused on Jesus. It keeps you focused on your family. It keeps you focused on eternity. It keeps you focused on the cross. It keeps you focused on what really matters in a world that tries to distract you with what doesn't matter. In a world that tries to tease you with what doesn't matter. In a world that tries to manipulate you with what doesn't matter. Reading his word keeps you focused on what really matters. Guess what I don't do every day? I don't watch the news. I could give a crap what they have to say. But you know what I do every day? I read the news. I read the good news. I read the best news. I read the only news that's ever mattered. I read the news of the gospel of Jesus who came and died and rose again and set me free and transformed my life. I encourage you to do the same. Number 10, why you must begin reading the word because reading the word will keep you and perfect peace. Second Peter 1, 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Isaiah 26, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Reading his word keeps you in peace. Again, while the world's trying to pull us apart, while the world's at war, and Jesus said in Matthew 26, there's going to be war, there's going to be rumor of war, there's going to be lots of stuff happening. I love the story of Jesus in the boat. 
with his disciples. And before he gets in the boat, he says, the Lord, God tells him, go to the other side. Come on, we're going to the other side. And then Jesus gets in the bunker of the boat and he gets his pillow out and his blanket. And he passes out, man. He takes one of those Sunday afternoon after Portillo's football game on kind of naps. You know what I'm talking about? Real deep. The kind of nap you wake up from and you feel like you got hit by a truck. And you're like, whoa, what just happened? What time is it? Woo! Jesus is fast asleep in the boat. And the storm comes and the storm doesn't shake him. It doesn't wake him. It doesn't wake. He's, he doesn't wake up. The waves don't wake him up. The storm doesn't wake him up. The lightning doesn't wake him up. What wakes Jesus up is the disciples. Jesus! And he wakes up. He's like, man, I feel like I got hit by a truck. What's up? What's going on? What's wrong? Don't you care, man? We're about to perish. We're about to die. You know what his answer was? The word. I said we were going to the other side. Man, take a nap and relax. The, the pillow that Jesus was sleeping on was the promise of God's word. Go to the other side. Because on the other side, Jesus had a mission. And on the other side, Jesus had a plan. And on the other side, there was a man who had been filled with demons, a legion of demons that Jesus was supposed to heal and set free. So he's like, dude, whatever. There's a storm. I'm taking a nap. Because the word of God keeps you in perfect peace. I have four boys. Put a picture of them up on the screen. Judah, he's the tall one. Gabe, he's in the baby blue. Ian, he's in the red. Elijah, he's the one that looks like Kevin McAllister. He acts like him too. Don't leave that kid home alone. Well, the baby, Elijah, he's, he's seven, almost eight. Nine years ago, the Lord reminded me of this story yesterday. Nine years ago, the baby, Elijah, was in the womb. He didn't have a name yet. We're at the doctor's appointment where we're finding out, is it a boy, is it a girl? Got some good news, it's a boy. Oh my gosh, again. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> try, to, try to be excited. <laughs> um. And then the doctor says, you know, but we ran some tests and we, we have some bad news too. Um, there's a really high chance your son is going to have Down syndrome. And so we want to run some more tests and give you the opportunity to abort, abort your child, choose to keep him or not. I looked at that doctor and I said, you will never again repeat any words that you just said to me. And he said, no, no, I know you're in shock. I said, I'm not in shock. You will not repeat the words you just said to me or I'll find a new doctor. Are we good? We walked out of that office. My wife and I stood in the parking lot and we cried because we're human. We cried. And I looked at my wife and I said, we're going to make two phone calls. And we did. So we're going to make two phone calls and we're going to get two people in agreement with us and we will never speak that word again. We will never, we will never beg God to heal our child because prayer is not begging God. Faith is not begging God said, we will declare what God's word says about our child. And so I made those two phone calls. I called my dad, say, here's what just happened. 
said, stand in agreement with us. We're not going to repeat this. We're not going to talk to anyone. I don't want you to talk to anyone. I don't want you to repeat these words. Stand in agreement with us. I called my pastor. Called Pastor Gregory Dickow. Told him the same thing. Got two people to stand in agreement with us. And we begin to declare God's word. And in that parking lot, I heard the Lord stir in my spirit. I just found out it was a boy. I said, Nellie, his name is Elijah James. And here's why. Because James 5.17, if you put it on the screen, James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. But he commanded the rain to stop. And the rain stopped. I said, we're going to call his name what the word of God says, Elijah James 5.17. And we're going to command this storm to stop. Put that picture back up of Elijah. It's a beautiful, healthy Zero problems, child. Zero health issues, I should clarify. I say that to encourage you. Your relationship with the word of God is vital. Because I am, I am absolutely convinced. Now, I never ran the other tests. I never walked down that road of fear. I did not know what would happen the day he was born. But I remember so vividly. It was the weirdest thing. This kid's head pops out. Sorry for the visual. And his shoulders are stuck. So I just see his head. Look at his dad. Big shoulders. And he looks at me. My child looks at me. Now my wife's a champion. She's fully natural birth. So this kid doesn't have any drugs in his body. He looks at me and just starts blinking, and I see a face. It looks just like my other son's, healthy and whole, and I begin to just thank the Lord. Your relationship with this book is vital because your relationship with this book is your relationship with the man, and the relationship with that man will determine how you respond to every storm that comes in your life. If you respond to the storm in fear, it's just an example that the disciples, sorry guys, you don't know me yet. You don't know me. I'm sleeping because I'm not scared. I'm sleeping because I know what God said. Go to the other side. I'm sleeping because I have a mission ahead of me. Your response to your situations just proves where you're at with this world. Hey, thanks for joining the podcast today. I'm so pumped that you're here and that you stayed all the way through to the end. Man, today's word is so vital to where we're at in society and history. And I would just encourage you, take this word, take it as an encouragement. Fall in love with the Jesus of the Bible. Fall in love with the Bible who is Jesus. Take this word into your daily repetition, into your daily meditation, into your daily encounter. I promise you, if you open his word daily, you will encounter him. So fun hanging out with you. Hey, if you want to support the podcast, support the books, support the stuff that we're doing, go to my website, notjustsaved.com. You can give, you can read the blog, you can support, you can hang out. I want to connect with you further. Hope to see you soon. Subscribe, listen, share this podcast. Have a great day.